dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Sister Natalia. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever, sister. Happy post-feast of the Dormition. Yes. I, uh... I was, I have not been getting good sleep. And so I woke up on Sunday morning, really mad at myself for getting like three hours of sleep a night for the past week. And I was just in, I'm always in such a good mood and I was in a weird mood and, and cause, cause just cause of lack of sleep. And I was like trying to figure out when I would sleep and I couldn't figure that out. Didn't know what was going to happen. And then I, I started matins on Sunday morning. And it dawned on me as I started matins that it was still post-festive dormition. Mm. And for some reason, that realization just changed my entire disposition. I was so happy. I was energized. And I was like, that's just a completely a gift from our Lord because it doesn't make any sense It's just remembering that it's still a feast that I love. I mean, a little bit. There's, there's Wait, it does make thing. sense though. Do you realize the particularity of this feast? What does dormition mean? Death. No. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> falling asleep because yes. I needed sleep. Ah, yes, ah. that's okay. really that's actually really beautiful. Um, that is. So, I never thought of it that way. That is really beautiful. Yeah. So for those of you who are listening, um, who aren't familiar with the Feast of the Dormition of the Theotokos, it is August fifteenth, which is the same day that the Latin. Right celebrates the assumption of the yes. mother of God. So it used to be a universal tradition that the Theotokos, Mary, um, died, and then she was assumed bodily, body and soul into heaven. Um, I'm just realizing how weird it is that I always do so many hand gestures because Father Michael, you're the only <laughs> one who can see them. But I'm, some, I'm making gestures that Mary's going up to heaven. Anyways, um... But of recent tradition, by recent, I don't know how recent, but I want to say maybe the past 500 years, um, in the West, the the tradition has developed that um, Mary didn't die. And... Um, where the, do those... Where does that come from, the traditions that she didn't die? Do you know? I was told it was... Um, so disclaimer that this might not be correct, probably not the best way to start a podcast, <laughs> but um, but it makes a lot of sense to me that it was um, around the time of the Renaissance. When was the Renaissance? Do you know? That would have been after, well, it would have been probably, so now you're putting me in this spot too. I'm guessing 17th, 18th century. Okay. I would guess 16th, maybe 17th. Did, did so. you just... You just you just realized that we could Google stuff while we're recording, right? That's true. Okay, um, I'm gonna but do I'm not doing that because I'm paying attention to. We'll we'll edit out the fact that I'm I'm looking it up on my phone right now, and then I'll just come in and we'll edit out the awkward part, and I'll just then say, "Of course, Renaissance was it was exactly these years." No, we won't. No, we won't. So, anyways, I think that it was something about, um, like in Renaissance in in the art around the time of the Renaissance it became more popular to portray um, the assumption of the, the part of it of Mary being taken up into heaven. So then um, people started uh, kind of believing or at least talking about that, that she, she didn't die. Like it moved from the art of her laying on, um, 
laying on the burial shroud to mm-hmm. to the aspect of which which we do believe as Eastern Catholics that Mary was assumed body and soul into heaven. Um, mm-hmm. We just we believe that she died first. Um, right. So and, her soul separated from her body. Our our ancient iconography shows her body in the tomb, and then Jesus holding her soul. So. Mm-hmm. That's the Christian definition of death, of course, the separation of the body from the soul. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was explicit in the art. So I'm, I'm reading here, there's kind of two Renaissances. Those who are smarter than me will explain what the difference is. But there wow, was the 20, 12th century Renaissance, and then yeah, there was the, the the one that's better known is the 15th and 16th century Renaissance. Okay. Um, Middle Ages. So, however, I, so I had heard this, that it used to be the tradition in the West as well, um, though I... Yeah, when I first heard it, I, it was news to me. But it used to be tradition that in the West as well that Mary died first. But then when we were on pilgrimage in the Holy Land, they were showing us the site. So the Church of the Dormition, mm-hmm. uh, the the place of, I think it's the place of the death of Mary, mm-hmm. is a is a Roman Catholic church. Hmm. So and they use that word dormition. Have, yeah, so you have the, and it's the place of her death where the church is. Okay. I mean, okay. at least it's venerated as this. So, right. so in the Holy Land, it's um, there's the Roman place that's venerated as the place of her death, and then the Byzant- the the Eastern Christian place, which is the the Orthodox place, which is the tomb of the Theotokos. Mm, okay. Um, so that was pretty cool. I believe that that. Th- with, that it may have started with the Renaissance and the art that portrayed her not dead, but maybe you know falling asleep and and kind of the the new eloquence of the Roman Church is that just at the moment of her falling asleep and just what does that does that mean or, or like at the, right before her death her body was taken or something like that is is also I believe the way that a couple private like unapproved apparitions speak of it. Oh, um, interesting. So, so I, th- I think that added to that that Western mm-hmm. concept, but but nowadays, I mean, any anybody will tell you in in the Western Church, you you can believe she died or not. In other words, sure. there was there's definitely not a teaching one way or the other. I did have every once in a while when I'd be preaching Roman homilies on this day when I back when I was by ritual in Denver, I did have people get very very angry with me for because I think of these private apparitions mm-hmm. um, that 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 according to them, were pretty explicit that she did not die. But I tried to explain to them, there's a much earlier tradition sure. you know, that, that says she did. So I, I, like, I like the ambiguity. I like the ability to mm-hmm. say, you, you, either way, you, know, you, you can believe on the, in the West that she either did or didn't in the Byzantine church just because we, we treasure that iconography in the icon. Ancient icon is explicit that her body's there and Jesus is holding her soul. So mm-hmm. that means she's dead. Yeah, so we just finished... Uh, as Byzantine Catholics, we just completed the Dormition fast, which is the two weeks before Dormition. It's one of the four mm-hmm. major fasting periods of the year. So it's uh, it's really good to be eating meat and cheese again and being able to have a beer and things like that. It's very exciting. So. That's one another dig my bishop got on me this past weekend was on Dormition, I was eating, what was I eating? When was the funeral? The funeral must have been, yeah, the funeral was the day before Dormition. So pray for the soul of Monsignor George Nicholas Vida, who passed away. And Bishop John came in for his funeral down in Anaheim and I was able to go down there and join him. And then we had like a a, a, a brunch afterwards. And again, Byzantine tradition, you eat what's put in front of you, right? Even though it was the day before Dormition, obviously mm-hmm. still during the Dormition fast, I ate 
everything that was on the menu. And then on Dormition, I take him out to a diner um, after he does celebrates in my parish. And I said something about, oh, I'm going to get all the bacon because the fast is over. And he just looks at me and goes, you didn't care yesterday. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like Bishop. <laughs> but the, the, what I'm referencing is something I told you about earlier, sister, where we get in, the, we get in my car and I drive a Nissan Rogue and he sits in the car and he goes, oh, a Nissan Rogue, a Rogue. That fits your personality. I'm like, really, Bishop? Yep. Like, this is my Bishop. And he thought it was hilarious. I did too, but he thought um, it was hilarious. And, and, and also, that he, he's right. So yeah, that. I know, I know. But it was just—it was funny <laughs> hearing it from his mouth that one of his priests he considers kind of a rogue. And I'm like, at least he laughed about that. It wasn't like a, a criticism. But I'll take. But it. but you're a beautifully orthodox rogue. Little O. I'll take orthodox. that too. I'll take so, that too. Right teaching. So that's beautiful. Uh, that's a, you're not like the kind of rogue who's trying to, like. Anyways. No, no. I'm trying to take. I'm trying to take authentic orthodoxy, which is good and beautiful, and how I believe it should be, and and just express it in in my Father Michael O'Loughlin way. Amen. Why not? So, before we get into the topic for today, which um, I didn't know that today was my day. Uh, to lead, and so it wasn't. I I wasn't gonna throw you under the bus. Father Michael did not have a topic this morning. <laughs> he thought he did, and then he wanted to go deeper in it. And then he, uh, yeah, and then he just failed miserably and said, hey, can we do record later? And sister was like, I have a topic. And well, I was like, let's do your topic. I wasn't going to say any of that. But my topic um, is going to be one upon which we very spontaneously meditate, which worked well for We Have Seen the True Light. Yeah, So it's a... Uh, What'd you call that podcast? Paying attention, maybe? So it worked well for that one. So um, yes. hopefully it goes well for this one too. We're going to do a spontaneous meditation of sorts. But first, do you I have I did do my homework on sh- this part. <gasps> I did. I good looked job. up. I have a good habit I'm trying to get into. And it was on the Jesus Prayer with, with Natalka, as you call her. Natalia. Yeah, Natalka. Um, yeah, so uh, nothing came to mind, but I do have a topic. <laughs> I just I just wanted to boast that I looked it up, but no, I don't have anything in mind that that struck me. I, I need to just I need to put more work into actually thinking through these things. Yeah. Um, but what, shouldn't she bring up something that we might cover next time? So yeah, actually, I have. What's funny is Talca is a much better um, podcaster than either of us because I also don't have anything. But she before she left for finishing her observership, she left me with um, a little piece of notebook paper, which I'm showing Father Michael right now with her list of things that she wants to uh, share upon further ruminating. So for those who this is your first episode listening, we like to, at the beginning of our podcast, at the beginning of each episode, we like to share if there's been any further reflections or Correct. Anything from or, <laughs> or corrections or clarifications; those all happen yes. from the previous podcast. Um, I guess we do have one from a way further back podcast, which is uh, someone complained about our bantering, and you named your squirrel after her, Perla. <laughs> oh yes, and That's so right. every time Father Michael gets distracted, instead of one of us saying squirrel. We will say Perla because that's the name of his squirrel. And yes. so we said that the first person to complain about my getting off track, I would name my squirrel after them. And the official winner of that drum roll was 
Cowboy. Yay. Which is a pretty awesome squirrel name. (laughs) um, Cowboy. (laughs) Although I've got to say, shout out to just all of our listeners who are very kind people because I I had said very boldly on the podcast, whoever complains about me in this way (laughs) (laughs) will will get something on the podcast named after them. And then after the podcast, I'm just filled with regret because I just have the most (laughs) sensitive heart. Um, Father Michael and I just had an entire spatial direction about how I take things from people very, (laughs) uh, well, it just hurts a lot. Um, You take negative things from people, positive things yeah, you don't seem no, to accept. I don't want but to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, that's so, typical human. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so anyways, the people who did respond, none of them were actual complaints, <laughs> which they I They just wanted appreciate. you to name the squirrel after them. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, I love the banter. Do you want to name your squirrel this? Um, so that was very nice. Uh, and I feel like there was something else, but Maybe not. So I'm going to share Talca's reflections from AKA Natalka, AKA Natalia. So sorry, just real quick. She wants you to do this rather than having her back again sometime or? She wants, she wants she to wants come back to again clarify. too, but she wants me to share these okay. things because awesome. they awesome. were specifically about the last podcast. One was she wanted me to share a quick story that I had shared with her about the Jesus prayer because okay. I was, um, I'm going to use a fake name. So I'll say that ahead of time. But um, just for the sake of, of privacy of this person if in 10 years he listens to this podcast because right now he's a child. Um, So, and also I guess safe environment. So I was at a parish where I was really good friends with one of the families there. And this is not, this is not Holy Protection in Denver. It's a different parish. And I was really good friends with one of the families there and their son, when he was, um, I don't know, he was maybe, he was maybe six maybe six or seven, uh, there's not, he went to his, he had his first confession. So in the East, there is not, because children receive communion as infants um, mm-hmm. and receive all of this, the the mysteries of initiation, uh, baptism, chrismation, first communion, all at once as infants traditionally, um, the, the age of first communion isn't necessarily... Um, set in stone. Like it's kind of like- First confession. Oh, did I say first communion? Yes. Oh yeah. First communion is infant and then always communion. But yeah, first confession. The age of that is kind of discussed usually between the pastor and the, Mm -hmm. I guess some parishes probably do it at like eight or something. But so anyways, this kid is maybe six or seven and he has his first confession while the rest of us are in the, the parish hall after liturgy. And then the priest comes- and the the kid will call him. Why don't you pick the name? That way, I'm not even close. Demetrius. Okay, Demetrius. Oh, that's a good Byzantine name. So exactly. that's why I did it. <laughs> <laughs> so Demetrius is is still in the church, right? Little six year old Demetrius, and and maybe like five or ten minutes go by, and the kid's still in the church, and we're like, <laughs> what six year old prays after confession? Mm for 10 minutes. <laughs> so we ask the priest, like, where's Demetrius? And he says, oh, he's, he's in the church. He's praying his penance. So his dad goes to check on him. And he has one of his, he has a Chotky bracelet, a 33 knot um, Chotky bracelet that you pray the Jesus prayer on. Mm-hmm. And, and his dad says, Demetrius, are you doing okay? And he said, yeah, dad, I'm praying my penance. And he said, um, what was your penance, Demetrius? And he said, 
I'm supposed to pray five Jesus prayers. And then he says, Demetrius, how many times have you gone (laughs) all the way around? And he says, three, I just have two more to go. So he had already prayed like a hundred Jesus prayers. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And he was gonna pray, yeah. um, He was gonna pray almost 200 Jesus prayers. Oh my gosh. Um, instead of the five. And so that was just really sweet. She, I had told her that story and she loved it. And so she wanted me to share it. So nice. um, she wanted me to mention that, uh, she wanted to talk about how we talked about the, the Jesus prayer and and learning to pray it with our breathing and so on and so forth. And uh, we talked about Way of the Pilgrim and and which is a, a beautiful book about the Jesus prayer and, and learning to really pray it. But she wanted me to mention and encourage people to take up the labor of moving the prayer from the head to the heart, which is which really is a labor. Um, and it's a process and all of that. And so even if as you begin praying the Jesus prayer, you're not necessarily feeling things, um, that's that's not really the point of it. And so um so to mention that it's a it's really a labor of prayer to to move it from from the head to the heart. Can you explain that a little bit more? like what she means by that or what you mean by that? Like what what, what does it mean to move from the head of the heart? Um, to make it more than just a thought um, mm. and just words that you're saying, that you're repeating, but to move it to something that's actually penetrating and and changing your life and something that you're, you're living out of um, is what I would say. Um, something that you're actually... I guess it's almost like really meaning what you're saying um, mm. and learning to 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 really mean the words that you're saying, which sometimes you have to just say the words for a long time yeah, right. <laughs> until exactly. you get to that point. Um, That's and, a really good point. Yeah. Because I, I think that there's, I'm trying to think of what I would, if I was asked that, like I just asked you what I would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, don't they say that's, that's what... Uh, that's what horrible conversationalists do is when somebody else is talking, they're thinking about what they're going to say next <laughs> instead of listening. Um, yes. I just totally did that. I, I, I heard everything you said, but I was also trying <laughs> to think of what would I say to this? Um, I guess it means a horrible conversationalist. Um, but, but, the, uh, but a great podcaster. <laughs> well, yeah. um, the, uh, but there is something, in other words, when I... When I say Jesus' name, because of course the two most important words in the Jesus prayers we said are Jesus and mercy. When I say Jesus' name, I, it's a it becomes more and more of a of a cry of of like necessity. You know, I oftentimes say it, I want to get in the habit of saying Maranatha, right? Maranatha means come, O Lord. It, from from the very end of Book of Revelation, the thing, second to last verse is one word in Greek. Maranatha means come, O Lord, or come, Lord Jesus. Um, so there's something about like that plea. When when I perceive injustice in the world, the word Maranatha, which is a prayer, should be on my lips. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's even like. Um, it's it's a plea. It's multifaceted, but it's a plea for like Jesus to come right now. But it's even more a plea for the second coming. In other words, bring ultimate justice, end of the world. You know, bring bring this now because the world is so unjust. And so when I cry out, Maranatha, it, it, it should come from the depths of my heart. There's also a, a P 
peanut butter brand called Maranatha. Then, you know, <laughs> so there's like there's like the there, there, it's a peanut butter brand. I'm, I'm sure it refers to the revelation, but it's also when I really see injustice in the world. If I see if I've been betrayed or someone has really really hurt me, I should say Maranatha. In other words, Lord, come and bring justice. I've been a victim. I need justice. And I think the same thing. If we understand that the power Jesus' name has, then we it's not just saying the words, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's just very surface, but rather I'm, I'm really pleading for him and I, I feel the need and I, I cannot, I know I cannot go on without him. And then when I pray for mercy and the injustice moves from something that happened outside of me to me, like I am also causing injustice. I need you to bring order and justice to my heart. And it's funny because, you know, usually mercy and justice are opposites, but not in Christ, of course, mm-hmm. that he's both. So when I, I think when I say, Lord Jesus Christ, I, I'm in a sense saying, Lord, come. And, and, and when I cry, I know you do when I say your name, but also when I ask for mercy, I'm asking him to do what he does, but I'm also saying, bring justice to the world, bring justice to those who have, have hurt me. But I'm also, when I say mercy, there is a sense of, I'm thinking while I talk here, by the way, uh, there is a sense of- As always. Br- br- yeah, thank you. Uh, bring justice to, to my heart. Like I, I have hurt people. I have hurt myself. Mm-hmm. I've hurt you, oh Lord. And so bring justice. So that's what I would, imagine going from the head when you're just saying the words and you could give a teaching on it and it would kind of be the history of the prayer and where it comes from the scriptures and all the things we talked about last time. But at the same time, it's it becomes a, a groaning. It becomes a real deep, actual plea. One, of, I love that meme. It, it's it's so surface, but it's really beautiful. It just says, dear Jesus. And then it just shows a bunch of teardrops on the page, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, love, whatever the name is, you know? So it's like the, 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 the tears are a prayer. And I think that's kind of what it means to go from the head to the heart in one way is it becomes sincere, it becomes authentic and it becomes a real, it's almost like the the prayer emerges from us because it needs to, you know, it almost gets pulled out of us by Christ who needs to hear that prayer. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's, um, it's sort of the more sophisticated version of, <laughs> like I remember when I was a kid and I got into a fight with with one of my siblings and, you know, my my mom would call us over and she'd say, um, like, you need to apologize to your brother. And then, um, you know, we'd apologize or whatever. And then she'd say, like, now say you love each other. And um, and it's like, I love you, but but we're actually like still pretty pissed. And um, and then she would just like she would make us stay there. And then she would just every once in a while say, now say it like you mean it. And then it's like, and we weren't allowed to leave until we quote unquote said it like we meant it. Um, nice. I don't think we ever probably actually meant it in those moments, but, um, but it's like- made you the, good actors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know I am not a good actor. <laughs> um, I have all the drama of acting, but none of the like ability to be deceptive. <laughs> um, to hide your true feelings, nice. Yes. Um, so anyways, that was, that was one of the ones. And then the last one, um, I'm going to read it exactly as she has it here. She's, she's referencing, um, because when she introduced how she knew you, she felt like it was just a roast of how you didn't respond to her emails and things like that. (laughs) And so she says, (laughs) she says, shout out to father Michael for coming to Divine Liturgy and lunch with me on New Year's Day SLS. And then she put in parentheses, somewhat makes up for previous injuries. <laughs> so I told her I wasn't going to say uh, that because I wanted people to think that someone other than just me is mean to, mean to you. But 
I I couldn't well, actually hold by that, and she wrote it, so I had to say it. I think if she was actually deeply damaged by my my typical neglect in in early communication, um, she wouldn't be so free to say that. So I'm I'm honored, Natalka, that you would. Uh, that you would be able to be so open with my own my own weaknesses now they affected you early on. So I'll take mm-hmm. it as a as a honor. She's just so beautiful. I love her a lot. Yeah, man. So. By the way, I took I don't know if you guys noticed, but last week when we were recording, I took like six or seven screenshots. No. Of just so I could post something. None of them are that good. <laughs> it, it's like, and I'm not even being. Like I, I would, I would force myself to be humble enough. Where if there was like a good one of the two of you, and then me just like picking my nose, I <laughs> so, totally would have posted that. So what you're saying is really the two of us didn't look good. In oh, any you of guys them. looked horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't say that about women, but it was just it was. I think I know, I know you guys. I know women well enough. Where uh, <laughs> if I had posted to either of these, you'd have been like, that's great. But it was just. Well, if you find one that's bad of me and good of her, you can post that. Oh, you're you're too nice. Maybe I'll just put a big, massive, big old smiley face over the top <laughs> of your face. So what you actually meant was I looked bad in all of them, <laughs> which I'll have is to look fine. Them again. Um, I was actually thinking. You know, it's funny. I was thinking before we started recording that we should probably take a picture of me with these ridiculous headphones on and post it on the Facebook page because we just had like a two and a half hour long spiritual direction about how prideful I am. (laughs) And and it would be so good for my humility for people to see me with these ridiculous headphones. I forget who it is. There is a comedian and I, and she pops up just on my Facebook feed and she is a comedian who has a podcast and I've seen, she had a TV show, I think back in the day, I forget her name. Um, Anyway, I've never watched the videos because they're, they're kind of, um, the the one I started watching, she just talked about sex the whole time, and I was like, whatever, you know, that that's the least form of comedy. But, um, but she has those exact same headphones you have. Yeah, but we've already talked about this, and she can pull them off, and I can't. And I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. Right, we need, we're we're we need back to, to you not listening to to positive feedback, but cowboy, we need to move on. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I. So we really do need to move on because we have Vespers very shortly. So I only have like maybe 30 more minutes to record tops. Do it. So uh, people will probably be very happy because it'll be a shorter episode. But I got this idea actually for this podcast episode from you because you were recently talking about how you were commending commending the Latin rite for doing such a a good job of, of promoting the saints of the um, promoting the saints of the church. And like everyone has heard of St. Francis of Assisi. And I would say most people have heard of St. Catherine of Siena. Everyone's heard of St. Therese of Lisieux, uh, so on and so forth, right? And, and we in the East, at least Eastern Catholics, yeah. have in recent years not done such a good job of this, which is ironic because we actually we actually celebrate the saints every day. And I would mm-hmm. say even more so than the Latin rite does. Like we have, we have, unlike the Latin rite, we have at least one saint, but usually like five um, for every single day of the year. Yeah. And and those saints always make it into the propers, the changeable parts of the liturgies um, for the day, even on Sundays. 
and major feasts and things like that. There's still something about the saint, whether it's just like the the troparion, which is the hymn of them, the hymn about them at the end. Um, and so, so we have all of this this richness from the saints and all of these these hymns about them, but then we don't actually do a good job of promoting them. And do you have something you want to cut in on? Um. No, I, I'm just, I'm thinking of when I, because I don't think I learned, any saint I learned after I turned 15. Mm-hmm. Like I know all these all these Roman saints, I learned, but I don't think I really could name any of them in my top 10 Roman Catholic saints. I mean, I, I think the, the thing, the back of the matter is, is I heard about every Roman Catholic saint I know back when I was Roman Catholic and I learned them all before I was 15 years old. And, and mm. every saint that I could describe their story now and that I would describe with passion and beauty would all be, I learned as a child. So I think mm. there's something where, where we need, we, we in the East, in the Byzantine Catholic Church need to be not only better at knowing the saints, but we actually need to put the, their stories in a form that children will be engaged. Mm. And I, I think that that might be the challenge here. So that's my challenge during this podcast, actually, sister, is just to <laughs> like to take it and then to say, here, here's a way that we can say, because I mean, like, again, you grow up, we have cartoons of St. Patrick and mm. St. Francis and Claire, you know, the, the, you learn these stories as, as kids, you know, and I, so I think I've, there's a lot of saints that even when I was saying Roman Catholic mass, I would, I would tell the people the saint of the day, because I'm, I'm sure 75% of the congregation had no idea who they were. They maybe heard the name, mm-hmm. but they didn't know much of the story. And so like the top 10 that we learned as kids, we, we, we carry with us. So I think we need to give better about, because sometimes the way the prologue of Okrid and other, other sources of the stories of the saints are very much for monastics. You know, they're mm-hmm. going to be read in the monasteries and they're, they're not, they need, they need the same saint and their story needs to be told in a way that is more popular maybe so that, sure. that people actually take them as patrons and will, will know the story well enough to be inspired by it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and to actually pray for the person. So anyway. Um, that's, I'll tell you in a minute why I laughed at that. Okay. So, so that inspired me to okay. have a podcast episode about and I thought actually maybe every once in a while we could have an episode about whoever the saint of the day is and just share about the saint, share some of the verses from the hymns that we sing to them, um, and to kind of reflect upon what are some of what are some ways that we can emulate today in our lives the virtues of this particular saint, and I think that's very important because. There's this tradition in hagiography, which is the, I don't know what that word literally means, but it's the the stories of the lives of the saints, but it's it's a particular way of telling the stories. Um, that, that emphasizes that their com- holiness. So that's yes, what it means, that ri- emphasis- writing of their holiness. Yeah. Um, like Hagia Sophia. Oh, duh, Hagia Sophia. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it emphasizes their holiness and which is beautiful. But the result of that is we can sometimes read these stories and think, I could never be this person. I could mm. never have these virtues. I could never live this yeah. life. But yeah. you have to bear in mind that that these stories are written in emphasizing their holiness. Even when even when their great sinfulness is emphasized, it's only in the light of and then they had this incredible conversion and now they raise right. people from the dead. Like <laughs> um so so sometimes it can be hard to relate to that. And to figure out like what aspects of that am I actually called to emulate? Because some of the things in the stories of the saints were not called to emulate because 
we are not that particular saint. Like I'm not called to be St. Mary of Egypt. I'm called to be St. Natalia um, and so on and so forth. And so I thought it could be fruitful to, and that this is the, the spontaneity of the podcast episode today is while I had this plan, I wasn't planning on doing it today. So I haven't yet really reflected on the saints of the day beyond what we've prayed in the chapel. So I thought that we could kind of look at the saints of the day. I can read their their story from the prologue of Oak Grid, which you've already referenced, which is where we get most of our, it's it's our lives of the saints. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I could read from that and then we could, just kind of like unpack the saints a little bit. Um, I love this because um, it also allows, if I don't have a topic next time, I can just go, oh, I decide, I prayed about it. I discerned that we're going to do the saint of the day today, <laughs> as, is, as is our tradition every once in a while. And I, Jesus told me as I was levitating and uh, my face was glowing with the eternal uncreated light of the transfiguration during my holy hour. And um, this is what we're going to do. And I'll make sure that my mic is nowhere near me for when I vomit. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I would like in the future to, I'm going to maybe like pray with the saints ahead of time, knowing whatever day we're going to podcast. But uh, today it's going to be spontaneous. So, yeah. So so the other thing I wanted to mention real quick, that's why I'm looking at this book, sister, instead of looking at you. Um, Oh, I thought you were just reading like the latest novel. Yeah, I was... uh... 51 Shades of Grey. Um, just kidding. Not, uh, the, the, not uh, even funny. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll we should actually <laughs> consider editing that out. <laughs> um, so here, I'm, I'm, there's this great book called The Tipicon Decoded. You ever read this book, sister? Um, no, but we have it. Okay, it's called the Tipicon like I've, Decoded. I've by, read pieces of it. Yeah. Okay, by by uh, Archimandrite Job Getcha, and I'm I'm anyway the the beginning of it just goes through all the different sources of our of our Tipicon. So our Tipicon is our our like if you're Roman Catholic, you will have the Ordo, like, like the the guide for our liturgical services. So the mm-hmm. Tipicon is and the Byzantine. That's where they get the the, the kind of the more secular understanding of the word Byzantine, meaning confusing or complicated. Uh, they get it because our liturgical services are very complicated. So you need a guide generally to look at all the things because we got the movable calendar, immovable calendar, um, because Easter moves and Christmas Christmas doesn't, for instance. So there's all this overlapping. So you you need a guide in order to do the liturgies correctly, liturgy hours, matins, vespers, et cetera, and the liturgy. Um, Do you remember a couple years ago when Annunciation fell on Holy Friday? Friday? Yeah. And that was the craziest liturgical it was crazy. That is the best example of why we need a Tipicon. Like we need a yes. guide because you have a beautiful Annunciation. I mean, the, we were celebrating the incarnation itself on Annunciation. And on the same day, we're celebrating Christ's death, which is actually the perfect combined feast. Oh, it was so beautiful. Of, of, the, of him, of his becoming a man and that moment of the initiation. And then the reason he became a man was to give, he, he took on a body and then he sacrificed that body on the cross. And it was on the same day that we can read the two things. Um, so yes. So anyway, this book called uh, The Tipicon Decoded, it, it, the beginning of it is going through all the different sources for our liturgy. And I just, I remembered it. Um, I remembered it talking about this. So the prologue of Volkrit is probably the best known version of what we call a synexaria or, or a um, um, what's this? The Greek word here is um, menologia. So like a, a Fessalmanian. No, it's not menologia. 
So, I mean, it's kind of the same idea. So anyway, um, let me just read the paragraph. Finally, we should also mention Menea used for reading, either Menologia or Synaxaria, which are collections of the lives of the saints arranged according to the liturgical calendar. Although they are not technically liturgical books, they are nonetheless utilized in the office. So um, the Synaxaria, you might hear a Menean, which is generally, um, we like you show, sister, you're going to read from the festal Menean. So the Menean is just the, the immovable calendar. Um, so in other words, um, we call the Pentecostarian or um, the, since Easter moves based upon the cosmos, um, the Easter moves. So we have this, what we call the movable calendar and you'll celebrate Easter, Pascha, we call it on different Sundays throughout the year based upon the cosmos and the you know, sun and moon, et cetera. So then there's the immovable, immovable calendar, which is every single December 25th, we celebrate the nativity of our Lord. We celebrate Christmas. Mm-hmm. So when those two things are combined and that's where we get the, what you just said earlier, Good Friday moves because it's based upon Pascha. Great and Holy Friday moves because it's based upon Pascha. Annunciation doesn't move because it's it's in the immovable calendar. It's always on March 25th. So when those two things combine, um, so the the Menean is is the immovable calendar, the, the saints that you always celebrate on that same day a year. Um, so just another word for that is synaxaria when it's the story of the saints, whereas a Menean is usually the prayers utilized. So the prologue of Okrid is is a form of synaxaria, it, uh, the, mm-hmm. just the lives of the saints in a, in a more general way. So a quick yeah. teaching, that so, wasn't a perla, that was a, an attempt to no, it was explain very the basis. Thank you. Good job. We're also not great at remembering the the references that we make on podcasts. So while you were talking, since I just entered into the 21st century and um, realized that we can pull up other pages while we're podcasting, I pulled up our spreadsheet and typed in the Tipicon decoded so that we remember to tell people. Good call. So good job, Sister Natalia. Yes. So yes. Um, Okay, can I talk about the saints of the day now? Yes, and you don't need to ask permission. You just can start. It's your your topic. I forgot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so this one, like I said, is going to be pretty short because time and we just gave the whole introduction. But if in the future we do another episode on another saint, then we won't have to give that entire introduction that we just did. So we'll be able to to delve deeper. So apologies that this might not be as thorough as some of you were hoping for. And it would also be really beautiful if anyone like goes and prays with this saint or prays with uh, some of the things that we talk about him share about him. And then if you go and pray with him and Jesus put something beautiful on your heart about how you want to emulate him, please feel free to, to share that on our Facebook page or what else do we have? Instagram. Instagram. And hopefully one day Twitter. Oh gosh. I'm just glad that you do that and not me. Hmm. So without further ado, the, the saint for today Again, there are lots of saints you're in the prologue. So slow, like you're looking for it. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I just entered the 21st century, <laughs> and now <Why>? we <laughs> why, will. Why do you have to call me out on it? <laughs> reading. <laughs> I'm trying. I I don't like when I say um, and when I say I can, like, I and can so hear I'm trying the click. 
to be better. Stop. I'm, I'm trying to be better about, <laughs> about just pausing and speaking slower instead of filling space with um or like, because I don't like when people do that. I, I commend you for that because you're Thank you. That. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> oh, I, I know I am too. I know I am too, but you're right. We, we need to fight that temptation. <laughs> okay. So there are, in the prologue of Oak Ridge, there are four saints listed for today. Okay. And the reason I laughed when you said the thing about we need to learn how we can teach these saints to, to children is because the way that they're, as you said, the way that they're presented in the prologue of Oak Ridge mm. are not usually in um, child-friendly ways. <laughs> right. And okay. uh, yep. the saint that I'm talking about today is particularly not. So that's, that's why I was laughing. So this is the holy martyr Miran the Presbyter. I'm going to mispronounce all kinds of names. Great. Miran was a priest in the town of Achaia. He was of wealthy and prominent origin, yet was kind and meek by nature, a lover of both God and of man. During the reign of Emperor Decius, on the feast of the Nativity of Christ, pagans charged into the church, dragged Miran out of the service, and subjected him to torture by fire. During this torture, an angel appeared to him and encouraged him. The pagans, whew, <laughs> the pagans began to peel his skin in strips from his head to his feet. The martyr grabbed one such strip of his skin and struck his torturer, the judge, on the face with it. That is awesome. <laughs> As though possessed, Antipater, the judge, grabbed a sword and killed himself. Finally, the pagans took Miron to the city of Sisychus, and slew him there with the sword in the year 250 AD. I wish so, I was I wish I was a better drawer. I would like artist, I would totally draw that cuz that'd be amazing. It's disgusting. It's so disgusting. I in fact, we should probably put one of those like explicit things on this <laughs> on this episode. <laughs> so, so, so Mike Schwalm is a friend of mine from when I was a kid, and he he did our logo for us. Uh-huh. I'm totally going to ask him to to do a drawing of of Myron, like on the pyre being burned and and whipping the king with a big strip of his skin. It's yeah, it's so nasty. Sorry, there are probably our kids listening. Sorry, little ones. <laughs> <laughs> I, hope I, I apologize. <laughs> we'll edit that out. <laughs> no, we won't. No, won't. So, so uh, I, I actually like this one in particular because I am named after, well, I'm named after St. Nathaniel. I mm-hmm. took Natalia as a feminine of Nathaniel. And I recognize before a bunch of people email to to tell us this, I, re- <laughs> I recognize that Natalia is um, comes from the Latin and Nathaniel from Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, Hebrew, yeah, probably Arabic, Hebrew. Hebrew. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, probably Hebrew. Anyways, we took we took Natalia as a form of Nathaniel because. Um, because we know that's what it is. Anyways, so- and in Latin, it means Christmas. Yes. So you have a double feast. Everyone, actually, I've reflected on why it's so beautiful that Jesus gave me that name because also I needed to be named after the nativity. And mm-hmm. I didn't know that at the time. But all the, all the Roman seminarians who were at my tonsure, because that's the first time people hear my name, mm-hmm. 
hear the nun's name is at her tonsure. That's the first time the nun even hears her name. So we don't know what her name is until the, the bishop says it at our tonsure or the monk who's tonsuring us. And all the Roman seminarians who were there thought I was named after Christmas, after the, the feast of, of the nativity. And I'm not. So that wasn't really cowboy, but it was a little bit. So I am named after St. Nathaniel who in tradition is the same person as the apostle Bartholomew. Um, Well, the apostle Nathaniel is the same as Bartholomew. And Bartholomew was flayed. So his skin was ripped off is how he Mm. was killed. And so that's why, anyways, that's part of the reason I like this saint. That's what you just reminded me of. And I was thinking, like, I, it might be more Western. I know that even the Orthodox in the East, they, they certain, like we have a patron saint for like our name. We have our patron saint for the day we were born. Mm-hmm. Um, but there also is kind of patron saints for occupations and things like that, you know, and that, that's, that's, a, that's a thing East and West. Um, yeah, St. Nicholas so. is the patron of all Eastern Christians. Yeah, exactly. And, and we can use that word. And I think that that's completely authentic and allowed. So what do you think, uh, what do you think Myron is patron saint of? By the way, do you, know what, do you know what the name Myron means? No, did you just look it up? Nope, I know. <gasps> what does it mean? You know, I know because Father David, I believe it's Father David Petrus's middle name. And it, oh. uh, so Father David Petrus was one of my professors and my spiritual father when I was in seminary. So it means... Oil, like anointing oil. Mm. Like you can, you could say like the holy Myron is is the oil that we use for anointing of the sick. It's what we use for baptizing babies. You know, oh, it's that just makes a, a, that makes a lot of sense because um, myrrh is the same exactly beginning exactly. the myr. Yep. yep. So ah. it's like an oil for anointing or, or for anointing bodies or whatever it may be. Um, but I was also thinking it would be kind of cool to reflect on what do you what if he doesn't he might have he might be patron of things we just don't know. Mm-hmm. But what what do you think he would be patron of? That's an interesting thought. I'm I'm pulling back up the the prologue entry to to kind of think about that. Um, I already I thought of one. Of course you did. You were doing the thing. You were doing the thing where you asked a question just because you want to answer it. So why don't you just answer it? Ouch! Ouch! Is that not what you just did? Oh, it was totally what I just did. <laughs> <laughs> but I had actually thought about before before even when we were recording. We took like a 15 minute break between 20 minute break between spiritual direction and recording and I got food and I changed some laundry and I opened a door and anyway, and I, I was, I as I was doing all this, I was, I made a call and I, I was, I was thinking about that. I thought it'd be cool to the patron saint thing. So I, I intentionally wanted to do the patron saint thing before I mm. thought of something, but I thought of something and then I just changed it again or adapted it. So, and I, I, I don't mean to be dismissive of this, but it is, it is, it sounds dismissive, but I think like the pilling skin, he could be the patron saint of, of sunburns. And then since his name means oil, he could be like <laughs> the patron saint of aloe vera. <laughs> of like, of like using, right. Of using uh, aloe vera to, or like the patron saint of healing sunburns and then maybe all burns. Maybe he's the pa- he could be the patron saint of burn victims because it was like he was burned and that's how they, anyway, <laughs> there's still kids listening. I'm not going to go through the details of how that works. <laughs> like when you're being burned, but, um, but yeah, so the, he could be the patron saint of, of, Burn victims and mm. peeling skin from some. That's that's all we really. When else do we experience peeling skin? Yeah, that's 
true. Um, Did you want to read this to get it too? I feel like I'm going too far (laughs) offline here. You're going a little bit far. Yeah. The... I mean, I'm not going to read all of this Takira. I will read okay. one part that really struck me. So was, this Takira are just our prayers that we pray at Matins and Vespers on the saints' feast days. So there's their prayers that we sing that are written specifically for that saint. Yes. So, so one of the one of the Takira says, "Oh, let me find it." You should sing it. Are you serious? Especially the one about flaying skin. I want to. I want to hear. I want to hear about skin coming off, and I want to sing it's, in a be- beautiful Sicilian Italia voice. It's so horrible. <laughs> how like there are times that we use our most joyful tones, and we're mm-hmm. singing about like, and then all of his arms were ripped off. <laughs> it's like it's horrible. We should. Um, we should definitely put a disclaimer on this one for kids. Sorry, parents. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. I honestly, by this point, they've realized to. Have have him call oh, Christ the bridegroom and Sister Natalia can explain all that. <laughs> oh, you are <laughs> the worst. Children. The worst. So, okay, give me a second to find the one. So actually it's a, it's a theme throughout then. It's okay. a theme throughout this Takira that I, I really thought was beautiful. So one of them at the end, it says, strengthened by the power of grace... You endured cruel tortures of fire and torments until death. Strengthened by the power of grace, you endured cruel tortures of fire and torments until death. And then in one of the other Stakira, it says, when the enemy scourged you, O courageous martyr Miran, and stripped off the skin from your holy body, you looked up to Christ, the prince and courageous judge. He extended his divinely powerful hands to you so that you completed your life with great honors. He extended his divinely powerful hands to you so that you completed your life with great honors. Mm-hmm. I think what what struck me about those parts of the Stakira were that it's being emphasized that his endurance of his martyrdom and his ability to, to choose virtue came through the grace of God and through the helping hand of Christ. And so it wasn't, it wasn't that he of his own power Mm. was able to endure martyrdom. And I think the reason that strikes me is because it goes back to what I was saying earlier of we can feel, we can feel like this is so unrelatable. I could never have that kind of courage. Mm. I could never have that kind of, and actually there's truth in that because Mm -hmm. you can't of your own power. Yeah. And and you can't of of out of self-reliance or something like that, which is one of my greatest sins, pride and self-reliance. Ugh. So <laughs> but but it's emphasized that he did this through the grace of God and so can we. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's something that really struck me. It struck me even as I was reading the prologue entry. And I didn't I didn't read this other than noticing the part that's not good for kids, I didn't really read this before the podcast. So when I was reading it out loud, something similar stuck out to me was, he was of wealthy and prominent origin, yet was kind and meek by nature, Hmm. a lover of both God and of man. But it wasn't until, it, it it then says during this torture, an angel appeared to him and encouraged him. 
which I think implies that he needed that. Why, why would the Lord send an angel if, yeah. if he didn't need it, you know? And so I think that's beautiful of, we have, we have these natural gifts. We have these natural virtues. I don't know if you can actually say natural virtues because I don't know the definition necessarily of virtue, but we have these, these things that are, are naturally good in us. But but through Christ, <laughs> I don't know what today. that cough was. Um, there was one in spiritual to cough direction. And coughing anyway, that was very strange. So so, anyways, I think that yes, many of these saints have these these natural gifts and these these things that they are just naturally virtuous in. But then they still need the help of God. They need the grace of God. Miran still needed the angel to come to him and to encourage him. And, and I think that there's a great beauty in that because I, it, it can be very, it's encouraging to me at least that, um, that maybe I could do these things. I just can't do them of my, of my own power and by just kind of like willing it. Yeah. That, that is a really beautiful and important point. And I think that there's, we need to acknowledge the human virtues, in other words, the the ones that that can actually increase as we put work into them. You know, like 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 discipline, fortitude, things like that, where where we we actually labor to build up to become more virtuous and mm-hmm. to have these virtues increase in our life. But then there's always the theological virtues, the divine virtues, that faith, hope, and love, etc. That that we can only receive. We can get better at receiving them, but mm-hmm. they're pure gift. And I think that's that balance. You you had a really good point that the balance between. We pray, we fast, we give alms, we we put through the the daily grind of the spiritual life in order to grow in our human virtues and, and and the natural virtues based upon what we were the the gifts God gave us. So He gave us in our personalities and our persons certain gifts, and we improve upon those and and work on other ones because we can actually improve our lives by doing that. But in addition to that, none of those human natural virtues are going to be enough to to sustain something like the kind of torture that this man went through. You know, mm-hmm. the natural virtues, it's just to, to be able to do that with eloquence and to forgive those who are killing us, say like St. Stephen or our Lord, to be able to say, I forgive those, I, I love my enemies, I forgive those who are torturing me. Um, that is, that's not human, it's not natural. So that's where the faith, hope and love, that, that's where the divine virtues come in. And ideally we're tapping into both of those types of virtues in a moment like this. So mm-hmm. we build up the natural virtues, build up our, our endurance in, in a human way um, for the days when it'll be tested and, and made and purified and made holy, made effective, like in this lives of, of uh, the holy martyr Myron, but um, Miran, how you pronounce that? Um, but uh, but uh, in the same time, you have at that moment even the strongest person, the one who's most has the most human virtues, will still fail if if they don't receive the grace of God, and that's what allows people like Stephen, like Myron, to say. Um, you know, yeah, I, it, it's it's by the grace of God that I can endure this. And therefore, even if we have not built up the human virtues, Christ can still allow us to be strong and, and a good martyr. We usually generally want both, um, <laughs> but yeah. And I think that there's even some of the most powerful stories that I've read of the saints are, are the ones who, like St. Mary of Egypt, who's just mm-hmm. absolutely tremendous, but the the ones who, had 
they had nothing of their own to give. Yeah. And because yeah. of that, they were entirely dependent upon the the, mm-hmm. the mercy and the power of God. And it, it reminds me of, because because having those, right, this is, again, pride, me. But this is, there are those those things that when we're actually really good at something, even if it's virtue, when we're naturally good at something, it can be harmful mm-hmm. <laughs> in the sense of we can think that that we're good at it because of us and yeah. we can and it can build upon that self-reliance and it reminds me of when i when i went to college um i, I went to a, a a pretty difficult engineering school and and i had for for all of my time in like through high school i i never studied because I never had to study because I was just, I was good at, I was good at math. I was good at, you know, and, and because I never studied, it wasn't until I got to college that like the not studying had been a detriment to me because I suddenly needed to study and I didn't even know how. I'm like, how do you study for math? And I was completely just blown away by this. And it was, it was actually pretty despairing (laughs) because it was the first time in my life I had felt like, you know, I'm like, I actually need help with this. Um, and, and that was a a pivotal moment for me. And in many ways I pivoted the wrong way, but then eventually came around, but because it was, it was a moment in which I had to, to cry out for help. And I had never been broken to that point before. And so I think that, so, so we hear the story of many saints who have to be completely broken. And I think in some way, all of us have to be completely broken in order to be, to be then healed and closer to Christ in that. It's like the concept of, of weightlifting, you know, like when you're, when you're building muscle, the way you're building muscles, you're tearing the old muscle. And then when it's rebuilt, it's built stronger. And I think that this is, is very applicable to, to our growth in holiness as well. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. All right, you need to get to Vespers. So let's do I quick do. intentions. Good um, job, spiritual I father. have one. Thank you. All right, prayer intentions. Um, I, when we were in between the spiritual direction, no, yes, when we were during spiritual direction today, I got a text from a friend asking for prayer. So I will, she will be my intention for the day. And then she uh, called and I couldn't pick up during spiritual direction. Then she texted me. And I called and left a message. Anyway, um, her name is Sarah. And Sarah is uh, just realized that some of the issues going on in her family are probably genetic. There's multiple generations. And I think it's one of those things, it seems that she kind of named everybody that we're praying for, uh, sibling, parent, grandparent. And then she doesn't have children, but she got willing will one day. So anything genetic could obviously affect her future family as well as her current family. Um, and this is, as I can only imagine, is kind of a, can a become without faith a hopeless thing. You know, just no, knowing that, and I, and it's the, the, the genetic issue has no cure. So, so we, they don't, and, and her mother was the one that they just diagnosed with. And it could be, it could be just a matter of years. Um, so anyway, it, it was, it was, a, it was a rough, rough day. I'm getting, I think this is past couple of days she's seen this, but she just asked her prayers today. So please, if you could pray for just for hope and for healing, um, for multiple generations in the, in Sarah's family. And then also just finding, um, 
in that situation if it's I always worry that it's somehow not in God's plan to heal. You know, we, we, we see that all the time and sometimes it's just not in his plan to heal. Um, so if that's not that that they will realize what God is planning, even if they don't know it, if they can't be eloquent about it, but to find joy and hope and strength and faith and all of that in however this will turn out. So in other words, my intention is I'm praying for healing and for hope. Um, but if it's if it's not God's will to do the healing, which again, I think we see that all the time for some reason that is unknown to us, um, then if God will give them the strength, I know God will, that they will tap into and acknowledge and participate in the strength that God gives in the midst of that situation. So, for Sarah and her family, please. All right. That's a good intention. Um, I'm going to ask for prayers for, I was asked to give a talk on spiritual motherhood to a an, an international conference that's happening in Italy and Poland through an organization called Mistero Grande, which is Italian for the great mystery in reference to Ephesians 5. Um, for this reason, man shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. And this is a great mystery, that whole that whole part. Um, so the conference is on, um, it's, it's for the hundredth anniversary of St. John Paul II's birthday. And the conference is on the mission for marriage. So I already recorded the talk. I was, I, well, I was pretty disappointed in how it turned out. It's really hard to talk to a computer for half an hour, like to not be able to see anybody, you know what I mean? And to just, cause I just recorded it and I couldn't see anybody and that's really hard, but but God will work through it. And if he can use Balaam's ass, he can use this nun. And so anyways, pray for those who are attending the Mistero Grande conference in October. Um, and uh, and for everyone who's preparing for the conference, the leaders and such. So, and the other speakers. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. We've talked about before. Um, one thing I realized a few years into my priesthood was that you pray like, and you've, you've brought this up to me before. I think you even brought up in this case, you, you pray more after you've given a homily or a talk or something because the Holy Spirit can do so much with so little. And even if, even if the talk seems to us to be not that effective, the Holy Spirit can absolutely do miracles with it because it's not about what we said. It's what he, what he translates and puts in people's hearts. So, yeah. Yeah, like absolutely. That. And I guess along with that uh, prayer intention, um, pray for Agatha and Andrew, who are the ones, they're the couple who asked me to give the talk. And they we Skyped uh, before I did the talk and it was just um, super, they're just such a beautiful couple. And I instantly fell in love with them and am inspired by them. And they just have a really holy view of marriage and, and they want to be on mission for the church and it's amazing. So, and the church needs that. Absolutely needs yeah. that. Yeah. So, so pray for them. Okay. I get to Andrew and Sarah. All right. I give a blessing. May the Lord bless all of you and keep you cause his face to shine upon you Have mercy on you. May he inspire you to take whatever the Holy spirit has done in us and and in this podcast and in the ministry of all those who are working to evangelize the world and trying to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit and to, to speak the good news, the evangelion of, of Jesus Christ, 
um, please receive. I, in this blessing, I ask you to receive and to receive the grace of my priesthood and the grace of the, the blessing of Jesus Christ to receive these things well, that you may open to what the Holy Spirit is doing. You may always seek Christ more intensely. You'll be called to intercessory prayer for Agatha, for Andrew, for Sarah, for all those who will be listening to Sister Natalia's talk, that you may come to understand the beauty of the saints, St. Myron, who we can write today, and all the saints, that you may tap into the grace that they have to offer, especially on their feast day, that you may be inspired by their lives, and that you may receive the intercession that they offer, and that you may always desire to be like them and with them one day in heaven. May our Lord allow everything you do to be for his greater glory, for the uplifting of the church, and your for your salvation. May the Lord bless you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Love you. Love you too, sister. Thank you. God bless you. Have a wonderful time being a nun. I'm jealous. <laughs> That's weird. God bless. <laughs> Bye.